and it's a world according to kyle podcast welcome everybody it's been a while it's been a long time and i got a lot of pent-up energy uh inside i'm ready to release upon this microphone because uh gyms haven't been open to the full extent that uh, I would need them to be to otherwise get out said energy. So, bear with me here as I flex on this microphone for the next hour and a half or so. I know what you're thinking, right? Oh, hey, another five foot seven health obsessed uh, white guy is doing a podcast. Oh, great. Well,. Hey, as uh, the shoat dog himself would have said, get in where you fit in. Alright, just a little bit of housekeeping before uh, we get things going. So, the way I structure these episodes for the first year is that we're going to have a general TWA2K uh, section for the first hour or so and afterwards if you so feel inclined please stay tuned for the TWA 2K sports report that will be coming up after for about half an hour or so uh, as well I also had uh, people asking me about uh, whether I was planning on doing interviews with the podcast for now, no, but uh, I would entertain the idea of an interview with an, uh, with an interesting person if it came up. How I was going to do it was that um, I tend to get uh, agitated at uh, podcasts and podcast hosts that will substitute uh, an interview for the full show. And quite often, it's a person that they're interviewing who takes over the majority of the show, not the person themselves. So how I kind of want to do it is that I want to make sure I have these... um, these standard episodes where it's just me going going off for uh for my usual segments uh for now we're doing one per month next year i think we're gonna uh do one every two weeks until i'm going one a week but however long uh i however many times per month i decide to do the podcast uh i still want to make sure even if i'm doing interviews that i'm doing standard episode so that you're getting my full perspective on uh on what's happening uh as long uh, so far as if you have uh inquiries about uh uh doing interviews drop me a line at kyleverse on twitter um you could catch me on instagram kyle max 86 on instagram kyle max for facebook check me out drop me a link drop me a dm if if you're an interesting person if you uh touch on some of the subjects that uh that uh i'm spitting about then let's uh let's set something up let's get it done all right now to start the show just a quick little public service announcement uh before we get into the fun stuff now this is kind of a serious matter uh 
I just wanted to talk about the rise in Asian hate crime over the past uh, little while. And it's been something that's very disgusting to see, uh, especially when it happens in Canada. Like we should be um, we should be above that sort of behavior to segment someone out based on how they look, not uh what they're thinking they're not out here uh with mao zedong fucking posters uh um pro-communist uh china um ideology in fact uh more often than not is uh you hear white people spouting this ironically <laughs> but uh, uh it's very rare um i find that you see um pro-communist uh, China, uh, uh, Asian, or Chinese uh, people. Uh, in fact, they're often the ones who are protesting against the atrocities of uh, the Chinese government, such as uh, the treatment of Tibet, uh, Tibetan monks, and um, the treatment of the Falun Gong uh, yoga practices, and um, just a lot of the um, pro-democracy uh, uh, movement in uh, China that has been uh, has been constantly uh, peaking its head. It's not the it's not the white people who are out here protesting uh, the atrocities of the Chinese government. It is often Asian people. Okay, the any random Chinese person is just as responsible for the atrocities of their government as you are res responsible for slavery that happened. All right. They're just as much on your side. And uh, this is a very slippery slope that we're uh, walking down uh, if we're going to start alienating uh, people uh, based on how they look because uh, their their government is absolutely tyrannical and uh, uh, pushing their power um, far beyond where they should be uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's, I find it uh, troubling what's going on there and uh, the iron grip that, uh, uh, that they have over the people. And uh, trust me, they are not people who are out here uh, actually advocating that this is a good thing. So, and we got to stop making uh, this place shitty for anyone who uh, isn't white. That's uh, that's per that's perfectly clear to me at at this point. Uh, and we're not going to we're not going to win the culture war uh, if we if we if we keep walking down this slope of uh, racism. Uh, we got to have a little more sense of decency of ourselves and stop making stop making this place terrible for others because generally speaking uh chinese people they follow laws they get along uh well with us um don't fear uh much uh, much from them um they you know they embrace canadian canadian lifestyle while uh while holding their traditions they are not they're not by by and large they're not bad people but uh the government in china has gotten out of out of control please do not do not bring hate or harm to your uh chinese canadian or chinese american brothers and sisters they are exactly that your brothers and sisters and they should be treated as such
<clears throat> okay, now uh, with that out of the way, we can finally get along to some less serious topic and subject matter. So let's start it off like this, uh, lighten things up a little bit. So I have a question for the audience. Are you guys a mix-in-the-sauce audience or a sauce-on-top audience? Because I happen to be a sauce-on-top podcast. So uh, if you're a mix-in-the-sauce audience, I'm cool with that. We can, we can handle that just to let you know this is a sauce-on-top podcast. Sauce-on-top would be the GOAT. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else is going on here? Weather has been absolutely insane here in uh, Canada for the past March. I feel like we've uh, experienced a full year's worth of uh, weather uh, this month. Like, I'll be outside wearing a winter jacket, shorts, and running shoes, and it'll be the perfect attire for <laughs> for the time. It's really, we've had... Uh, the full buffet of weather we've had snow we've had rain we've had summer we've had cold we've had wind it's uh it's really been all over the place and uh as that's probably as typically canadian as you can get in a march somehow it's actually that is actually a preferred um march to our normal uh to our normal uh marches Normal marches were probably uh, like 75% still in in uh, winter. <sighs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching a fair bit of uh, YouTube and podcasts myself. Uh, it's very, it's entertaining. I don't, I don't really watch Netflix. Uh, every now and then I'll watch an odd movie. But something that's been annoying me is uh, the begging for likes and shares at the beginning of videos. Now, I can kind of understand it if you're going at the end of a video and you're just like, hey, if you made it this far smash that like button etc but too much of the asking for likes what am i supposed to fucking uh watch your video for like the first minute and decide that i like it then in there and give you a like button oh hey i'm trying to get to 15k i'm trying to get to this number that number uh what what the fuck do I care? Either it's a good podcast or a good show or it's not, and I'm going to like it based on uh, my own stipulations. And in fact, the fact that you're asking me, begging me for a like makes me less likely to like it. We like the things we like. We like the things we don't like. We understand the concept of sharing and uh, of liking things. We don't need to be constantly inundated and ba and have been begged at for fucking uh for f smashing the fucking thumbs up button like give it a give it a rest uh for all the time and the effort you spend crafting together something to tell somebody uh like um to to like your shit you could have just honed your craft a little bit better or found something uh, else to talk about or uh, you know um tried a few more lines something like just you don't need to we we understand that there are thumbs up and thumbs down we understand the concept of it 
do not need to be reminded about it every time. No one cares about your uh, your benchmarks that you're trying to hit besides you. So just give it a break, you know. Let it breathe. Let the content speak for itself and it will be liked or disliked uh, regardless. When is too much memeing? I'm having this question that I'm asking myself. How much is too much sharing how much is too much posting because it takes a lot for me to be able to uh unfriend or unsubscribe to somebody and one of the things that i'm uh, very um bullish on for uh for um unsubscribing is that if you are like constantly constantly posting fucking memes like how much is too much i i feel like if you're doing like 10 memes a day goodbye that is like you should only be allowed to uh share somebody else's thoughts like i'm trying to think of like an extra like one for me is like way way too way more than enough uh three i would say one five is a five especially five a day is too much territory like how much fucking uh like how much of people's visual space should be consumed with um i don't want to go to work it's a monday fucking cat memes like give us a fucking break like i don't mean to be rude uh, but I mean, I've unfriended people that I genuinely like in real life. It's just because of the, because I just, I don't want to be inundated with memes. You should have your own personality. You should like, otherwise, like there's a cap to the amount of shit that you should be able to post from other people. You're just constantly uh sharing other people's thoughts that's not why i'm on facebook i'm on facebook to see your photos and what you're doing and your friends and how you're doing and what's going on with your life and you know what you need and if i can help etc i'm not <laughs> i'm not there to just be smashed with uh with oh, have my visual space consumed with other people's thoughts that you're sharing to me um it's a little much and i've dealt with i've dealt with people who given me death threats who are still on my facebook <laughs> yet if, if you post 10 memes that's that's it we gotta cut you out um so we gotta figure out what socially uh and not socially acceptable uh amount wise to be posting as far as memes are concerned and as far as Facebook and Twitter are concerned, uh, I'm like, it's weird. They're similar and different. Like, Twitter's definitely a lot more elitist, but I find that the things that I'm posting on Facebook are often the same things that I'm posting on Twitter. It's just instead of... Uh, posting it to someone you knew from grade school uh you're posting it instead to some famous person who you're never going to see in your life uh but other than that it's just the the audience that's different uh the the audience is different but basically what you're posting uh 
I, what I'm posting anyways doesn't seem to be any different. It's just a different um, format with different things about it. And uh, speaking of Twitter, um, Elon Musk had a tweet about um, the... Uh, <clears throat> so he had a, a graph with an exponential curve saying um, digital camera technology and then he had another graph to the right of it that was like a stagnant uh flat line curve and he said quality of pictures of ufos or something like that and that kind of hit the nail right on the head for me um i've been getting a lot of like ufo conspiracy type of people uh just spouting off about that they think aliens are real and well while aliens might be a lot more of a possibility uh than like jesus coming back it's still pretty fucking far-fetched and i don't think you realize just how far-fetched it is like we're supposed to be a civilization going to mars and we're saying birds aren't real aliens are real mars here we come like in the people saying this shit it's like you live in a town full of ten thousand people a lot is unidentified to you like you got a mcdonald's in the year 1999 a lot is fucking unidentified to you and i'm not saying this to be above anybody because like i live in toronto a lot is unidentified to me because i live in toronto it's not uh the mecca of technology or anything but uh, like the things that <clears throat> the things that we don't know about are uh are alarming uh alarmingly high like for fuck's sake like tesla nikola tesla was planting light bulbs in the ground in fucking uh in dirt and lighting them up electric electrically like what do you think like what do you think uh, we know about how do you think we are so uh so civilized to be able to point out that's an alien or that's not uh, what do you know about uh, Area 51 and what's happening? Uh, what's happening over there? Uh, is it aliens? Is it a conspiracy? Or is it government uh, experimenting on technology that they're not releasing to the public yet? Who knows? Who knows what what the capabilities are? Um, but what I know is that it it takes us like what like a year to get to Mars. And there's no sign of habitable life in our solar system. Do you understand how fast fucking how long it takes uh, to travel light years? If you're talking about something that's like not in our solar system, we're talking uh, the amount of time that it would take to be able to get here. And I know you're going to spout some sort of uh, sci-fi um, uh, warp drive or wormhole shit, but who, like, who knows how, how much, uh, advancement that would require. Th that would require an insane amount of advancement to, uh, to travel faster than the speed, uh, than the speed of light. We can't even communicate, uh, 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 uh 
through uh, radio waves to any anywhere? How do you think another place, even if we could communicate with uh, uh, a galaxy far away, how, uh, if we could even communicate with them, how the fuck are they going to be able to uh, uh, travel here? We can't, I can't even I can't even fathom co us communicating. Yet we're yet we're gonna we're, we're, they're gonna be able to travel here. I mean, I guess panspermia could have happened, and that there could have we could be a civilization that was planted here by aliens. But it seems pretty fucking unlikely. You think maybe there would be a sign somewhere? And I know uh, many people are pointing to the pyramids uh, as some sort of sign that extraterrestrial life carved uh, this thing. I was like, no, that that is an embarrassment to the people who uh, actually did those things. You don't think that that was able, uh, the pyramids were able to happen by human ingenuity? What you aren't taking into consideration with the matter is that uh, things sometimes get worse as technology progresses. So our, uh, our uh, ability, uh, our, our obsession with perfection uh, of uh, a craft or a trade, it digresses with time. Like, think about, uh, think about books. I view people saying pyramids were built by flying saucers. That's like uh, a thousand years down the road. Um, the people of that time saying the Bible was written by aliens because the concept of writing anything more than five paragraphs is mind-blowing. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The, the uh, 1969 was the first computer. If you told people that uh, that we'd be walking around with smartphones today, they wouldn't even that te that technology would seem alien to you. So maybe just consider like there's uh, that the amount of leaps of things that would have to be just right for aliens to exist and be here and watching us or whatever is insane. And thinking about it pretty much leaves us leaves us nowhere we we, we would be better off just uh approaching our lives as if uh it wasn't a thing and then uh and then hey if it is if the million billion th billion shot uh uh is true and that aliens do exist then we'll deal with it then but we gotta have a lot more of a skeptical uh, eye on this because uh, everything that you see as far as evidence is very very speculative all right so let's just uh, slow our roll a little bit and um, and you know take off the tinfoil hat and uh, approach reality as it is not as uh, some fantasy might uh uh, might as uh, some fantasy you want it to be because it doesn't necessarily make it true and we're not better off for these wild goose chases we're better off just focusing on what is real and you figure elon musk would know like i mean look at the rockets this guy's spaceship is uh is capable of building like if there was any extraterrestrial life or the potential for extraterrestrial life to get here you think maybe the 
people uh, who are uh, who who are going the furthest uh, outside of Earth would have a very important say <laughs> on the matter. I would I would put his say ahead of lots of these uh, crackpot conspiracy theories who just want to um, to get you into a fearful mind state. Ooh, okay, now for uh, infuriating, an absolutely infuriating uh, part of uh, my last month or so that I've had to deal with. So this is uh, an insurance uh, debacle that uh, I was going through. Um, now, how I'm going to approach things is like... I don't ever want to get personal, uh, so if anybody um, if anybody says, "Oh, hey, that's me," or "Oh, he's talking about me," then uh, that's on them. That's on them to own up for that bullshit. But why would you? Uh, because <laughs> because um, I'm not gonna make things personal. I just want to talk about things uh, in order to make people aware of what's going on with people with companies in this case uh what the companies i'm gonna uh i'm not gonna mention names of companies i just want to talk about my situation uh in order to just make people aware of uh, of of things that are going on so uh i had a car i bought a car in uh 2019 right and i started up insurance in uh may of 2019 so been driving around i uh i got my full uh year done so may of 2019 to may of 2020 the car was having some repair issues right so um i had kind of my head on a swivel with this car and um now we're going into uh, uh, the continuation of my insurance after the year which I was obligated to. I, I, I agreed to a year of insurance. So um, around October of uh, 2020, the uh, there was massive problems with the vehicle around the end of October. So um, it was going to need an oil change. Um, it was going to need, uh, what are those things? Shocks and struts, uh, which was like $1,500. And, uh, the, there was, a um, something, uh, wrong with the engine that just blew. And that was going to be another $1,400. So all told, we're talking like over 3k to fix a car. And I didn't even really pay, uh, three, I like paid a thousand less than that for, the car so i decided to just uh get rid of it scrap it it was it wasn't worth uh it wasn't worth fixing and like the whole reason i got the car to begin with is because i was kind of seeing someone at the time and for me and for being a guy it's like that's the only real reason that i would get a car <laughs> is for is for a woman i wouldn't like i don't need a what i need a car for payments and gas and insurance that's like you know that's like the luxury expense and it's much 
better for me and like my uh, investments if I have the liquidity that uh, ha- ha- riding around in a car doesn't really provide. So I wanted to get none of nonetheless, I wanted to get rid of the vehicle and I did. So um, I had a funny feeling about dealing with this insurance company it was one of the cheaper uh options uh that i had available for insurance wise so uh so i put a stop payment on them for the uh for the october because i had already paid first and last when i first signed up in may of 2019 so i had my last insurance payment in the bank so uh, I go, I call up on, uh, the, my payment date was, uh, the 27th of October. I call them up on the 27th of October and say, Hey, I'm not going to be needing my insurance anymore. I sold my car, yada, yada, yada. And so the guy tells me that I owe the, for the remainder of my, uh, insurance that I agreed to. He said that I still owed him for the full year. What? What on earth operates like that? Uh, so if I uh, if I get a gym membership and I go for my full year, and uh, like a month later I don't need it anymore, they're gonna still charge me for the full year. I still had seven seven months that I that I quote owed them for which uh, turned out to be like uh, like over $2,000. I had no claims, I had no accidents, and I wasn't using the vehicle anymore. So I thought that this was peculiar, and uh, he asked me, he's like, do you want to cancel? Do you want to cancel? So I didn't give him an answer about whether I wanted to cancel because I can't cancel to something that I didn't agree to. And it was weird because when I was first signing up for this uh, insurance in uh, May of uh, 2019, uh, I I directly asked uh, the representative, I'm just like... So what would happen if I go to uh, sell the ve- sell the vehicle and I only like need it for like three or four months? And she was just completely nonchalant about it. She was just like, "Oh yeah, well don't worry, we'll take care of that when the time comes." Okay, well I just gave them the opportunity to say directly uh, that uh, what their policy was. If they had a policy where you had to uh, sign for a whole whole year, and by the way. What, what the hell is that? Like, so what? Cars are only supposed to break down or, uh, or, or get sold within, like, your year obligation to the insurance. So, anyways, I found this very shady. I'm glad that I, uh, I put the stop payment on. They kept sending me letters. And then, eventually, the, this uh, collections agent calls my phone. And uh, so he calls up and he's like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, so you owe um, blank insurance uh, company 
uh, $1,000. Like, he's like, if you give me $500, we'll call it a day. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I'm just like, whoa, 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 wait. It's like, uh, and I explain my story. It's like, well, so what am I supposed to do? Just give you $1,000 when, um, uh, this doesn't seem right. And even he was like, he's like, wait, they didn't say it was prorated or anything, which is exactly how it should be. I didn't have any claims. I didn't have any accidents. I didn't need it for anything so why not just end it then and there so he even the collections agent found it strange and i'm just like sorry uh i'm gonna have to deal with this via uh, the ombudsman so uh i tried to get a hold of an ontario uh ombudsman for uh for this and um and i emailed them a very <laughs> a very uh lengthy email not like uh, three pages or anything, but like one and a half pages uh, detailing uh, exactly what I just explained to you. So, uh, so I told, so I told them all this, sent the email, get nothing from them. Then I hop on the phone, start playing phone tags, and eventually I was directed to a uh, to a um, to something called RIBO, the uh, Registered Insurance Board of Ontario. And uh, I was directed to them and ended up telling them my situation, explaining it uh, in detail to them. Now, um, so the insurance uh, that I was uh, under was a smaller company under a bigger umbrella company. So initially, the bigger umbrella company uh, uh, got back to me after I had the uh, after I had the um, discussion, let's call it, with uh, the uh, insurance representative that I was trying to get to cancel my insurance. So uh, I, so um, the the bigger umbrella company. A few days later uh calls me and they just had a very um dismissive tone about about what i was going through just like yeah well we reviewed your we reviewed your case and we found that the insurance company was still in the right and uh and that and i'm just like question i'm like really you think it's okay to charge somebody for a full year of insurance and even when i tried to ask uh about uh about it early you were you were you were totally dismissive about it as if it wasn't a thing as like normal normal uh businesses don't don't operate don't operate like that and she's just like well uh why didn't you get your car fixed like some like neck snappy type of like way she's saying in it trying to berate me for not getting my car fixed uh well excuse me lady uh it's not your uh call what i do with my vehicle and the fact that i spent uh 1700 on the vehicle and it needed three thousand dollars worth of repair and already had two hundred thousand kilometers on it that is a uh some numbers for me to worry about not you <laughs> so uh so initially initially they were very dismissive uh, uh, about it and still suggested that I owed them what the insurance company said. So the bigger umbrella company was agreeing with the smaller company, uh, insurance company that, uh, 
that was that was handling my matter so that's when they brought it to the collections agency and then i got in touch with this uh, uh ribo and then so and after i get in touch with ribo sent them the email then all of a sudden i get a call from this uh from this umbrella bigger umbrella company saying oh hey much different tone this time that they're going to review the matter again, <laughs> even though they reviewed it uh, a first time and didn't seem to have uh, much to say. So they uh, get back. They get back to me a day or two later, saying, "Oh yeah, you know, um, we found. You know, uh, everything's good. We found that." Uh, you know, we're just going to cancel it and uh, we want everything to be to be OK. And it's like, if you ever have any more insurance, just come back and get to us. And I'm just like, if you would have did this the first the first time, then there wouldn't have been this bullshit. And you're trying to ruin my credit over over this. But it's really odd if you if any of you have any experience with uh trying to uh trying to uh deal with this then uh and you've had like negative experiences with insurance companies like this uh let me know this seems <laughs> this seems very rare um they they gave me like i just had some penalty fee of like 100 dollars, and plus i already had my last paid for so uh, it shouldn't have be, it shouldn't have been an issue. Like I just worry about somebody who like maybe English isn't their first language and um, they get uh, they get uh, you know uh, fear fear uh, scared into like paying these assholes money that they don't they don't deserve because they're all of a sudden threatening uh, threatening you with the coll with uh, collections agencies. So that was a whole debacle, but uh, the the rule the motto of the story is uh, I will <laughs> if you try to screw me over uh, if you're a business trying to screw me over for something that you don't deserve I will come at you in any way I can possibly do and uh, you know I don't know what happened maybe that guy who uh, who initially I was trying to cancel with ended up getting canned or something he just was not explaining any anything to I was not explained anything about um about uh, prorated pro rata penalty fee nothing nothing like that it was you owe the remainder of your insurance so uh I don't know where they hire how this guy was hired or whether he was having a bad day taking it out on me but <sighs> See, this is why in America, like people were that in Canada, they don't worry about getting getting sued. We just have uh, regulators boards to go and tell them, OK, be be a good person now. And st like they would never try that shit. Imagine a class action lawsuit against uh, a, against a huge company that's an umbrella and actually uh, an umbrella for this smaller company that's actually uh, qualifying this bullshit that uh they were trying to pull on me unfucking believable that's all i have to say about that um let's uh bring up some tweets we're gonna go over uh tweet deck from uh 
the month of March and uh, we got a few things uh, to comment on. Uh, so I had a tweet that was pretty popular. Um, this one person uh, said, uh, let's be done with Canada. They think consti it's constitutional to tax us simply to heat uh, and power our homes, go to work, eat, and basically everything else we do to, to survive the winter with no other reasonable option. I'm done. And I said, sarcastically, that's not the attitude of a nice Canadian. Nice Canadians are supposed to question nothing, pay egregious taxes, and wonder why we're making 100k a year and still shopping at no frills. That seemed to get a lot of likes uh, because it happens to be true. Like, um, this, uh, this thing that we've been going through for the past little while has really uh ex uh been an example of that like um <clears throat> america per capita is dealing with um two times the uh the uh rates of infections all while we sit here and boast about our uh, great um healthcare system and our great medical system what how great is it if it's falling apart at the seams uh with like half the per capita uh infections of the united states it just doesn't make sense uh and it's it's really this whole thing that's been going on has uh really been um revealing as far as uh, the motives of uh, uh of the government and the um the uselessness of the tax dollars that uh we've been paying and when shit really hits the fan um doesn't really seem doesn't really seem like uh doesn't really seem like we have have it so great uh, don't you get tired of these people who uh complain about daylight savings like all week because they lost one hour of sleep like maybe you just stay behind an hour of the rest of the population and catch up whenever you feel like you're adjusted how about how about that since it's such a such a drain on you for that one hour of lost sleep personally i like it i like the uh, adjustment that's done because uh it's good to have more daylight and have it like not be bright at like 5 a.m in the fucking morning initially it's done for farmers i believe and i like i don't really have a problem with it if an hour is that important to you maybe you should um maybe you should reevaluate your time instead of uh instead of uh complaining about uh, uh one hour time change <sighs> okay what else happened uh the month of march all right the grammys now is there any award on earth less re representative of a quality assessment of what the award actually stands for than the grammys it's unbelievable you know it's pretty bad when uh the avns are a more classy ceremony than the grammys it's uh pretty pretty rough sign of the times that we're living in that that could happen but i've been uh saying all along that the grammys are ridiculous they don't actually authentically award uh musicians based on uh talent it is just a popularity contest a giant popularity contest 
slash uh, strip show now. Uh, so not that I was really expecting <laughs> anything uh, greater uh, from the Grammys, but uh, I've learned to just accept it and that it is what it is. And uh, don't expect much more going forward. Um, now, another tweet that uh, was a little bit spicy uh, was Dan Orlovsky. Now, Dan Orlovsky's a sports uh, commentator person, but, uh, and this is kind of like a sports, uh, somewhat of a sports topic. I think he's talking about general life, though, but uh, it seemed to be pretty spicy. And I actually uh, had, uh, had some takes on it before he came out with this tweet. Uh, I had kind of the opposite uh, to say, on um, my uh, podcast for the end of February. So let's just uh, go over the tweet real quick. So Dan Orlovsky uh, at D at Dan Orlovsky seven. I don't believe in ever having a quote plan B end quote. I never have. I believe when you have a plan B, you one never exhaust yourself to something, a goal, a dream Two. Never fully experience failure. That doesn't make sense. And three, uh, without fully experiencing failure embarrassment, you will never fully grow, in my opinion. Now, that seemed to uh, get a lot of feedback. Now, um, while I was on the other side uh, of it on my podcast where I said it's good to have um, your eggs in a lot of different baskets in case one of the baskets has holes in it then uh, I but I do believe there I do believe there's something to be said about uh, not giving up on things and about seeing things through and um, okay let's uh, you want to you don't want to just give up on things and you want to have a uh, very uh you like the things that you do you almost want to treat it as if you don't have a plan b but you should have a plan b because you don't know what things are like if 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 you're too deep into something and you realize that uh it's not what you thought it would be or that the ways you succeed in in it are not uh are not authentic like for example what we just spoke about before with the the music industry you are not authentically judged as uh, an artist based on uh, talent now it's that's just out the window so you're telling me that somebody um, should um, should uh, uh, go along a dead path a dead-end path uh, where they're not going to be fully appreciated and they and they're just kind of and they're just realizing that because you can never know from the outside until you're in it you do not know uh know the mechanics of uh success until you're knee deep into that into the into that thing now i've been the type of person that has jumped around from thing to thing to thing and uh, it's worked out with worked out for me. I gained a lot of uh, skills that I would not have otherwise if I had just uh, stayed in at, at a at a job where they might they might have just been using me for my uh, 
using me for things and had no plan on advancing me. And it's good to just, it, it, I feel like we're like almost like <clears throat> too much into like, into the, into Orlovsky's uh, vision, how it's just have a narrow, have a narrow focus, but, uh, and, and it's good to have the other side of the, uh, of the ledger shown and that, uh, you know, you can, uh, if you're an artist and you realize the industry is full of, uh, demonic Satanists <laughs> that, uh, that have no intention on, uh, if you have any kind of soul whatsoever, have no intention on, uh, on, um, on promoting on promoting what you're doing and uh then so you're so maybe teach uh music or uh tutorials youtube be uh be a uh a, a commenter have a channel like why is why is that so bad to uh to pivot from it doesn't make you it doesn't make you any less of a person it doesn't mean that you cannot achieve success in the field uh, it just mean it just means when when you are in something, it's about the energy that you're putting into it. That uh, while you're doing it, uh, if you if you really like something, you'll really start to put the energy into it. Now, if you're talking about a profession like football or basketball, like okay, yeah, it's a bit different if you perceive it like or like you have no plan B then uh then maybe that's better for uh for your overall health but uh if you do things that way and you experience a failure it might be a devastating failure from which you will not be able to recover and your life will be uh your life will be just focused on on this one thing so so if you have something just you know you want to you want to try it out and if you want if you genuinely want to do something you want to really push it and you want to really get into the thick of it and you don't want to give up too soon but that be that being said to just abandon any form of a of a backup plan that's kind of silly also so those were the kind of tweets that uh highlighted uh oh wait 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 we got one more we have got one more and uh i i was gonna save this for the sports report but it's it's sports slash life so uh so let's pop it up here okay so uh gord miller of uh tsn the canadian sports network tsn uh he called out barstool sports for being misogynistic and saying that he was saying that um that uh not a lot of women say it but barstool is uh massage misogynistic and yada 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 and they're like a bad influence on on media and this absolutely steamed me off like imagine working for the Canadian dinosaur sports media and thinking you're better in any regard to barstool sports and barstool has given multiple millions to small businesses. What the fuck has TSN done? Who the fuck even is Gord Miller? Okay. Like I do not know this guy. 
uh, he would not be successful uh, if he was forced to, if he didn't have a big company backing him. All the guys I listened to, Gabe Morenci, Cam Stewart, Spittin' Chicklets, Barstool Sports, are all examples of uh, success online, appealing to a wide demographic, uh, talking about the things that pe- people want to hear about and in a way that they talk with them. Not this button-down corporate uh, 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 Tommy Too Good uh, uh, Canadian sports media suit and tie uh, mentality. Uh, that shit don't fly on the internet because we know that's fake as fuck. If Gord Miller were uh, to compete uh, honestly, uh, he would not survive. He would not survive in the new media landscape. So I think it's a. I think it's just a little like to him getting on his high horse uh, because he sees that new media is leaving him behind, and uh, he's just wanting to wanting to counter that as much as possible. But that these are the winds of change and uh if you don't get with it you're gonna be left behind and uh to me in my way of thinking if you need a uh, uh a large corporate entity to support your content if you wouldn't be able to survive if you didn't have this uh this large entity backing you you the large entity should not be backing you and you should not and they should they should cut loose with you and it's happening it's happening your time is coming all these espn layoffs social media is taking over the people who are adapting are winning not these fucking uh, tommy too good uh uh sports you know a uh that's gone that's gonna be done with so fucking get prepared uh Shape up or ship out. That's what I say. <sighs> Another thing that has been happening. This was actually a little more recent. Uh, Chrissy Teigen quitting Twitter. Now, because she was showing um, uh, showing uh, some struggle she was going through with uh, 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 stillborn baby and posting it on um, on social media. Now, it's sad that everybody only has to operate in extremes nowadays and like why does everything have to be political in a giant uh political statement like she was just kind of showing what she was going through and trying to uh help others who might be going through it also how how can you come on any kind of extreme for that like uh, there's a difference uh there's a difference between like uh uh dudes in drag going and reading to your preschooler and just bringing awareness to uh, a struggle you're going through to maybe help others deal with it uh you know the, not everything has to be political sometimes we can just kind of uh sit on the sit on the fence and realize hey uh, maybe if I'm not uh, uh, going through this or if I can't understand the struggle that someone else uh, has to go through going through this, like, why do I have to sit here and, like, and uh, call this out and, like, try to have an extreme uh, opinion on something uh, that is only going to be problematic, is only going to be 
uh, problematic. So, you know, like, ease up. It's just uh, someone someone bringing awareness. I know you guys are all pent up and uh, can't wait till you, you get out and you go online and you have to have an extreme take about something. No, you don't. You really don't. And this is, like, the tearing at the fabric of... Uh, of social order uh the fact that we just can't um can't uh we don't have nuance and we don't understand nuance anymore um it's really it's really disheartening and uh, you know it's it sucks for people to have to uh have to quit twitter uh because of that but you know that being said i can't really say go uh talk about the emotional struggle that she was going through but you know like i said i've had people threatening to kill me this that and the other thing like um you know you 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 shouldn't be on twitter and it's a good thing to not be on uh not be on twitter if you're very uh emotionally uh volatile and if things are gonna just drag you drag you down it's it, it it's a bad it's a bad thing to to be on and I don't think nowadays people are really, if you don't post online every day, people are really going to like start to question and question you. It's like, that's kind of normal. Sometimes people just need to, uh, take a break. You, uh, getting too, uh, into this world where we just react extremely to things and have like no consequence, uh, to it. It's new. <laughs> That's a very new thing, trust me, and we're still getting used to it. But, um, but uh, you know, you can't really hate somebody for uh, for wanting to get away get away from that. And people just need to slow their roll. And uh, and if you're ever gonna get on get, do something like that, you better just be prepared. And uh, I think the last thing that I wanted to uh, talk about was the remakes uh, that muse that we're doing in music. These like these dance remakes. Um, so I heard uh, uh, like electronic remake of Chasing Cars, um, the uh, remake of uh, Memories. The thunder only happens when it's raining thing uh song uh and the other one was the you got the music in you the um the uh new radicals uh remake and it's i th I, I just want to point it out that it's very indicative of uh modern music and what is wrong with modern music uh, the artists who are singing these, uh, who are pouring their souls into these songs, they would not be able to sing the way they're singing with these new, 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 new fucking electronic beats. Like the the part of the reason why they are they're able to sing the way they're able to sing is because of the instruments. Uh, we're getting too much into this uh, electronic um uh computer software completely creating music and uh and it's really sucking the soul out of the music uh industry and the greatness of the music that we like why do we connect so much with these songs after so after like 20 uh 30 40 years it's because of the soul that uh, they're pouring into it when they sing and what 
the uh, modern music is doing is just sucking that out with like computer generated uh, uh, beats. Just, uh, just you, you know, you can't you can't pour your soul into singing something. You know, the part of the uh, part of it is the instrumentals and the fact that there's another person, you know, pouring their soul into the guitar and pouring their soul into the drum and pouring their soul into the bass and uh, while um, the easeability of creating music has gotten away from that, and it's for the worse. One thing, it's creating a lot less jobs. <laughs> you got uh, you got uh, three, four less less people. But the, the the main point is that it is it is sucking the soul uh, out of music. And nowadays, music is just like uh, toilet paper. Like you wipe your ass with a one hit wonder. You flush it down. You might you might not ever hear it again. And you wouldn't really notice, or you wouldn't really care that care that you didn't. Um, we need we need to get back to uh, actually playing instruments. And while some of my favorite music has electronics in it, uh, uh, some some of the music that I consider greatest has uh, elect, uh, electronic elements in it. But it doesn't over it doesn't completely overtake. Uh, the the rest of the other great natural bass shredding of a guitar a great drum solo a great drum solo what are you supposed to have a great drum solo on a fucking uh, computer software oh wow that was amazing uh <laughs> yeah you really flicked your finger uh you really flicked your finger great there dj uh it's just that's what's missing from music now that's why the industry sucks the uh it's too easy to to make something and if you try and criticize anything they're just gonna call it call you uh uh racist or homophobe or whatever against whatever artist you're saying but um i think we need to get back to the basics as far as that one is concerned so that's it that's all i got for you folks that's the end of uh of our normal uh the world according to kyle podcast now uh feel free to stay tuned for the sports report that is coming up after i take a quick drink break if you're gone out uh, if you're not sticking around for the sports report thanks for tuning in to the world according to kyle podcast uh hit the subscribe button give me a like now that it's the end of the episode and uh you were able to fully appreciate it and didn't back down after uh 10 minutes or so so uh thanks for listening y'all i'll be back next month and uh out and twa2k sports report is back all right welcome in everybody it's the sports report now ufc 260 just uh wrapped up we got a new champ in town francis naganu takes the heavyweight belt from stipe miocic in an impressive uh knockout fashion now let's see uh how long he'll be able to hold it for um there's definitely a couple couple dogs up up there a couple of dogs high ranked in that uh 
in that weight class that can uh, make some noise. Uh, that that's for sure. But uh, Naganu is a tough out and uh, looked very impressive uh, last night. Now, question: Is Shugshan O'Malley back? Is he back? Did you like his performance uh, there? I'm gonna say I was. Uh, it was a little sweet and sour for me. He looked like. Let's. Uh, okay. Let's start where we're where with. I'm not impressed because that was. Uh, the, that's a little less detailed. Um, when he had the opportunity, uh, I believe it was in the first when uh, he. Uh, he caught him uh, with uh, that roundhouse kick, I think it was, and uh, clocked him in the head. And um, and uh, Almeida goes down, and in uh, O'Malley's acting, walking off, acting like he won. Man, Buddy bounced back in that fight and came back and was started to smarten up in that fight and. Uh, Started to started to do things that uh, O'Malley that uh, got O'Malley uncomfortable. Man, how how you got to chuck your ego out and just stop trying to uh, showboat and go in for the kill. You got him down, jump on him and fucking end that shit. I almost betted on uh, O'Malley by KO, and while I would have won uh, late in the third, I would have been so fucking steamed that he ha- uh, felt the need to uh, showboat instead of instead of going in for the kill. Uh, I know you're proud, I know you're happy, but that type of shit with a guy that uh, you're lucky it was Almeida, and Almeida came out with a terrible game plan, uh, not utilizing uh, his leg kicks enough, and O'Malley came out banging in the first. What if that was your only opportunity, and you and you decide to strut instead of going in and fucking ending the fight right there when when you should have? So that not impressed, but. I'm also a little impressed with uh, how O'Malley uh, came back and uh, how he was checking his uh, kicks. His legs seemed to be a little bit uh, stronger this time around, and he seemed to be uh, working on the uh, the issues that uh, were the problem uh, the, the last fight with Vera. But uh, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting. This was, a, this was a type of matchup where you expect O'Malley to to get the KO and he went in and he did it but he at the I did, you don't want to I don't want to gas him and uh, and be like oh yeah you you know you totally crushed it there that was one glaring uh, area that against a more um, against a better fighter with higher fight 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 IQ uh, could have could have got back and won that fight from from him so um the other thing in um in ufc 260 the early prelims was the ref in the azatar barot fight so uh in 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 round three uh i forget what barrow uh clocked him with but i think it was a, a, a uh hook and popped out uh azatar's fucking mouth guard and so the ref is coming in and 
he's almost like waving his hands like he's coming in out of like emergency because he's seen what we all seen that azatar was fucking knocked unconscious and he was hunched over he was slu- he was slouched over and and unconscious and the ref comes in he's he's running in and is like as if as if he's going to stop it his arms are at his side as if he's going to stop it and then he just pulls back at pulls back at the last second he actually ended up tripping azatar and uh azatar got on his back and got the shit beat out of him for like four minutes straight and uh and when uh Barriot had a full mount guard uh guard on him just beating the living shit out of him now it's not i think that the the corner uh maybe should have been looked at to to stop to stop it cuz he was literally getting uh getting like his life taken from him <laughs> and uh uh, uh but the ref was all about this little shit like he kept trying to call out little shit and kept trying to intervene in the fight and so he actually intervened while the guy was in full guard because his mouth guard was out he put he tells him to put his mouth guard back in and keeps like the guy's mouth guard was if your mouth guard is out you got knocked the fuck out like and he was unconscious. There's a reason that the ref was running was running towards them to stop it. Once you're at the point where you're running in, it's too late to decide uh, to come off of it. If you're at the point where you're running in, that means that somebody is knocked out significantly uh, and somebody is unconscious. And if they are not conscious, then they should, then that's, that's it for them. You can't go conscious and come back into consciousness and still, and still be expected to fight. You took the power shot. You got knocked out cold. You're done. And that's why the ref was running out there. You should not have pulled back in that spot. That was the appropriate time to end the fight. That fight went on four minutes longer than it should have it was a complete shit show and um i'm never gonna say uh uh comment on uh, somebody's job he's obviously a professional some professionals have bad days uh it, it's not my it's not my job it's not my job to say i believe in second chances i believe people can uh change i believe people can can fix can fix their issues uh and I don't just necessarily feel like uh, feel like saying what should or should happen to somebody because uh, the company knows knows best uh, in that circumstance, and it shouldn't be up up to uh, somebody on the internet to decide what uh, the fate of uh, the referee is. But I feel like that's something that should be brought up, and um, that. <sighs> If you, if you as a ref are pushed to the point where you're, um, where you're running towards the fight, it's over at that point where you are as an emergency, you're supposed to be kind of staying on the side watching it. There's a reason why you were running towards the fighter. You're running towards him to stop it because you saw a guy get knocked unconscious. You don't have to question any more than that. So, uh... 
you know, it's a tricky thing <laughs> when we're talking about human beings uh, throwing their fists into uh, try and knock other people unconscious. It's a it's a tricky thing to uh, to try and manage. Uh, but I just feel like that was uh, worth pointing out to kind of showcase uh, 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 something that's that's an that that's an issue with uh, with. Um, the uh, referee in uh, the in the octagon. Also, another thing, they always talk. Don't hook the fence. Don't hook the fence. Why the fuck is there a fence there in the first place? Why not have plexiglass? Like, uh, uh like <clears throat> the natural. Like, you're supposed to hook. Like, your natural inclination of your of your um of your appendages is to it, it, like. If it, it if you're if if, if if hooking onto it is illegal, then why the fuck is it there in the first place? It's an octagon. Make it out of fucking plexiglass. Make it out of whatever. But why have a fucking cage there? And you're not supposed and you're not supposed to like hook on it. Like if you if you if you're you know if your big toe uh, touches it the wrong way, then uh, then you're just supposed to get you know fucked at a uh, in, in a fucked position that. Uh, in a dangerous position because you uh, because like the fence that shouldn't even be there is like interrupting your movement that's stupid the ufc needs to put uh plexiglass in or something you can't have a fence and have why is a fence there if people aren't supposed to use it end of story and so the ufc before uh 259 the uh, uh, Adesanya moving up to uh, light heavy. Now, a lot of people trashing and throwing shade at Adesanya, but I don't feel like this is a huge stain on his accomplishments so far. And in fact, I give him a lot of props for, uh, you know, he went all five rounds uh, versus a title holder while he's, you know, moving up 20, 25 pounds. It's a, it's a very bold thing to do. And uh, there's there's no reason why he can't one day get that belt. Um, adjusting to that sort of uh, that sort of weight is extremely difficult. You're moving around uh, differently. You're uh, generating power differently. Uh, you're doing different things. And uh, you know, do I think like? Uh, you know, maybe he can't beat the top of the division, but hey, man, if he wants to, that'll help him. Uh, that'll that'll help him for when he's fighting uh, in in uh, lower weight classes. Uh, and also, who knows what what happens if he came in uh, to uh, to a light heavy bout? Uh, you know, with a you know a borderline top ten opponent. Who knows? Maybe he wins. Uh, I don't feel like it's. It's um, it's it's a stain on on uh, his career, his accomplishments. Uh, he's still a great fighter. I'm still stoked to see him every time he's every time he's in the ring, and uh, you know, good for him for uh, you know trying something because no one was challenging him uh, uh, in the division he's dominating. So of course, try something new. Why not? It's it's not a bad thing, and. Uh, <clears throat> I, I see a lot of um, people commenting on, um, you know, with with uh, Khabib retired uh, and uh, all these uh, all these greats uh, retiring. Um, that the UFC and Connor Connor not um, uh, 
underperforming recently that like the UFC is in a bad spot right now because it doesn't have anybody dominating and I don't agree with that um I think true uh fighting fans should love it it's nice to have a uh, a top five matchup and not have it like go uh one two three four five accordingly it's uh, you know it's amazing that uh Derek Lewis can uh, walk in there and uh, knock out uh, the guy who's like the number one contender. Like it's, uh, you know, it's it, like I love I love that parody. I don't I don't think like why it's 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 not my psychology. My psychology is to is that you love I love to see good matchups and I like it when uh, when anybody can win. Uh, but, like, I don't get the psychology that's, like, you need to see someone just completely crushing it in order to uh, enjoy enjoy the sport. Like, you need to have a Jordan, uh, Jordan dominating in order to think that, uh, that the sport is uh, any good. Those are not real sports fans. Those are front runners. Those, uh, those are people who, like who uh who for some who are not sports not genuine sports fans uh they people who don't truly appreciate dynamics uh and just just need to see greatness all the meanwhile while you follow them in real life and uh, the lives they lead are like the opposite of great but they just need to see greatness in order to feel better about the fact that they don't don't achieve it in their day-to-day lives that's my opinion on that now transitioning over to uh the nfl so new england making moves now aren't they uh I feel like Belichick is shook off Brady, so he. Otherwise, I I don't think you can really uh, justify what he's doing right now. Think about it. He's building a discount free agent bubble team, while he's supposed to be in the middle of a rebuild. How much sense does that make? You're not gonna get better this way. Spending uh, spending all this money to get some uh, mediocre players, discount fucking quarterbacks. The way you're going to get New England back to its greatness again is, uh, it is by accumulating high draft picks and, uh, and rebuilding your team from the ground up. This is putting a fucking band, band-aid on a dam that's breaking. That's, you know, the flex seal meme basically <laughs> basically the 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 band-aid is a uh, discount free agents and uh you know it might get them in the playoffs but uh as far as like the future of the patriots goes i think it was a bad move uh we'll see how it plays out afc is very crazy right now but uh if you, are, are you really so confident in cam that uh or like who what's your plan if if that doesn't work or, you know which is a very real the po- very real possibility but uh that's my explanation is that uh Belichick and Kraft were shook off Brady's uh, uh Super Bowl so they uh they went a little crazy and I think it's going to set the pats back for uh the next decade at least 
Now, who does the San Francisco 49ers, who, who do they like at number three? Uh, did they do this because they're thinking maybe there's a chance that uh, Zach Wilson will still be there? Uh, I would. I don't think so. I think the Jets are going to draft him. I think he's a good. Um, he's a good plan B, ironically, uh, Orlovsky for uh, if Sam Darnold doesn't pan out. Uh, so let's just consider that what's supposed to happen is going to happen, and that it goes uh, Lawrence Wilson one and two. Is it really Fields? Is it Fields that they like? Could it be Trey Lance? Mac Jones? I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, San Fran, if they're making that kind of move and giving up two first-round draft picks for the future, they definitely have to consider had to consider had to have considered that. Uh, um, Lawrence Wilson would go one and two, and they have to have liked somebody. Everyone says it's Fields. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Lance. You know, they got Garoppolo. They can roll Garoppolo out there. They got a very young team. They can have uh, have a Mahomes situation, which is a very um, the Mahomes how it, that played out is a very good situation. Um, develop somebody for a year. And then start to then start to roll them out. So it could go either way. They're in a position where they could do both if they feel like Fields can come in and jump out right away, or if they feel like the uh, have a year of Trey Lance to uh, develop. I think Trey Lance is the higher upside. To be tr- to be quite honest with you, um, if I had to if I had to rank Lawrence Wilson. Lance Fields Jones and uh, that that's how I would that's how I would go I thought uh, I thought Lance just uh, for what he did at like uh, NDSU like when your fields look what Dwayne Haskins did in the uh, Ohio State Ohio State offense like um, it's it's almost like it's I hate to say it's a knock but like when you got when you got guys uh that are that good at getting open and then you go into the NFL where your uh, throwing windows are so much smaller and tighter uh, it's it's really just a whole other dynamic and it's a whole system it's a system shock uh, uh, so we'll see what happens um, don't be surprised if they take uh, if they like Lance uh, at number three we shall see um, now Here's uh, one thing that's been bothering me about the NFL, and it's cropped up recently with this, like, um, the the quarterback market in the last five years has uh, gotten so much better. The median level of, uh, of performance of the quarterbacks is rising tremendously. Uh, I don't know what it's to do with uh, more pro-style uh college uh concepts or just college is doing a better job um uh getting their kids ready for the nfl but that either way this there's a sat there's an incredible saturation of talent in uh, the nfl and um i think the nfl would be wise to uh expand over the course of the next uh of the next couple decades. I think they should add at least six more teams in 12 to 15 years. 
Uh, it's the talent's going to continue to come out. And the fact that guys like um, Jameis Winston are sitting on benches is insane to think, is absolutely insane to think about. That 5,000-yard uh, quarterback is... Uh, is is on the bench is uh there is a there's a satur there's too much talent to not expand right now and we could expand and still have um still have this cfl nf or cfl xfl merger and still have that be good and still watch great football um now being as i am a canadian uh you should probably want you would want to uh my take on the CFL NFL merger. Now, I did play a little football in high school, nothing much, uh, a little cornerback, a little uh, special teams, etc. Uh, I go. I've gone to CFL games. Uh, I root for the Argos because I'm in Toronto. But that being said, I think that it's kind of a little silly the way that uh, the the rule changes that uh, the CFL has. And I respect it. It's definitely better than no football. <laughs> the three-down football is definitely better than no football. But the way I compare it, it's like if uh, if, fo- if hockey in America, they had, like, they had the goalie nets in the center of the ice. It's just... It, it's a distortion of the things that make the uh that make american football a great sport uh having a having the field goal like at the front of the end zone like somebody could run into that shit the ball could like doink off the fucking uh off the off the uh, field goal post um the fucking uh like 25 yard end zones um the three downs the constant punning uh it it's just like i think like kids that grow up playing cfl are uh are less uh, they're less prepared uh, to be professional football players um i think that the the uh the changes that the cfl makes to the game uh make the game less watchable quite frankly and uh it just doesn't make sense you need two downs to get um to get uh 10 yards well that basically why ever run the ball literally unless it's uh, a fake out why are you running the ball like what no running backs average uh more than five yards per carry if you have a running back that averages five yards per carry that's a running back who's literally tearing shit up and so that's like the most that's like the best extreme outcome for a runner is to average five yards per carry and that's what he's got to do to be able to make down uh make a down conversion in in the cfl it's just i really hope that the cfl does not uh does not skip this opportunity and this chance to work with the rock Dwayne the rock johnson and to work with uh the xfl because you know we're getting a huge lifeline here like the C- like cfl was the num was the alternative to uh to the nfl and the xfls came in and immediately they've uh they've they've grown a fan base uh and they they have the 
they probably will to be quite honest grow a fan base that's larger than this than the cfl if you give them enough time and the rock because of his former connections with uh with the cfl is is you know reaching out and trying to make things happen we cannot turn down this opportunity to advance football in canada and to play football fuck tradition fuck tradition if the way that they're doing things is better the reason why uh hockey's played in america the way that it's played that way that it's played here is because we made it better we made it a be- uh, it's a good product and that's why america is playing it over here we need to have that same mentality and stop thinking oh we're different and we're being canadian and we're being different if if america does something better why not adopt that why be stubborn and just say uh oh wow canadian culture like like, uh, 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 let's keep doing things. Let's watch football where there's fucking like 50 punts per game. Not that's that's not the way forward. We're very lucky to be in the opportunity uh, to have an opportunity where the CFL and XFL can merger and create uh, a, a awesome uh, a awesome second league uh, to be able to assess talent and to be able to spread the game of football in north america and please cfl do not ruin this opportunity that's it that's the sports report uh thank you everybody for who stuck around and listen and until next month i'm gone